Our lesson this morning comes from the 20th, 21st chapter of Luke's Gospel, starting with the ninth verse. Hear these words. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all of this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This morning, coming into town, the the bridge at um, Cooktown had a layer of frost over it. It was just kind of hilarious to drive over. I wasn't prepared for that. And as I drove across, I thought, "Uh uh-huh, global warming. That's why the frost is on the bridge in November. I remember back in 1978, all the articles in Newsweek and Time Magazine had to do with the phenomena that scientists were afraid that were going to take out the population. It was called global cooling. They were worried that we were about to bust out into a new ice age, and scientists were confounded that For the last 40 years, the globe had been cooling, and they were all telling us the same thing. Climatologically, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Somebody better do something quick. Don't you like that phrase? When things are getting worse and worse and worse, we say, they're going to hell in a handbasket. Back this spring when I was working on the sermons for the next year, for some reason in the church office that phrase kept popping up. I don't know what was going on that week, but the air conditioning was going to hell in a handbasket, and the church was going to hell in a handbasket, and the world was just, everything was going that way. And I discovered during all that, guys, I'm about to give you a piece of secret guy knowledge. When a woman says, it's fine, I'm fine, everything is fine. Do you know what she's telling you? It's going to hell in a handbasket. It's not fine. She's not fine. Situation is not fine. But that's our phrase. And when Jesus starts in on his discussion of the end of times, we think, yep, Pretty much, Jesus, the world is just going to hell in that handbasket. Listen to Paul describe it. You must understand this. 
In the last days, distressing times will come. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhumane, implacable, slanderers, profligates, brutes, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to an outward form of godliness but denying its power. Paul said, avoid these. Jesus said, you better get ready because the end of time is coming. And there, there are three things that float through both Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and the place in Mark where it's found. And that, that's the notion of the day of the Lord, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and the end of time. And Jesus weaves those three threads through these biblical passages, and he doesn't tell us which one he's talking about in that particular moment. But the essence of the word is, you better get ready. Not so long ago, people got ready for the end of time by climbing on the roof of the church and waiting for Jesus to come back. And I just wonder if today we get ready for the end of time by watching a YouTube video. That's how we figure out how to do everything else, YouTube and Instagram. But these words of Jesus are not scary, frightening words. They're actually words of comfort and words of hope. Jesus said, look, when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't be terrified. We, we've got to remember that back in that culture, they didn't have social media. They gossiped with each other. They would talk in the marketplace. They would talk on their way to draw water from the wells. They would talk in, in synagogues and community settings. And it was like, did you hear? Did you know? They had an army that had placed itself in Palestine. They were under the captivity of the Romans at that time. Did you hear the Romans are involved in a war? And they're bringing destruction to us? You know how we human beings are. We take a grain of something and we just blow it up into something a lot larger. Jesus said, don't worry about this stuff. This is theory. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. You're going to hear of upheaval in nature. You're going to hear about earthquakes in various places and famines and plagues. There'll be dreadful portents and great signs in heaven. Just be cool. Chicken Little and her brood have always been with us. They have always pointed to the end. They have always said, the end, the end. This is terrible. This is horrible. It's coming. You better get ready. You need to get your rapture robes, and you need to have your, your 72 days supply of food that can last between now and 25 years from now. you got to get ready for the end of time, because unless you're ready for the end of time, the end of time is going to catch you like a thief in the night, and people in the church are going around, when's it going to happen? We need to know when it's going to happen so we can be prepared. I don't need to be prepared for the end of time. I just want a 15-minute warning. I got some sins I got to get off my heart, and I need to confess them while I'm still here because I don't want to see them on the jumbotron in heaven. So, Lord, if you can just give me a 15-minute notice. 
but I've not got my rapture robes. I don't have my charts. Yes, I hear wars and rumors of wars, and I watch all this stuff go on. And it's as though Jesus were saying, when you hear it's going to heck in a handbasket, don't worry. Don't worry. Take a deep breath. Center yourself and do what's next. Because that's in theory. Jesus said, let me tell you where it gets personal. They will arrest you. And they'll persecute you. They'll hand you over to synagogues and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. The book of Acts finishes the story of um, James and John, of Peter and Paul, and they appear before Agrippa and Festus and, and Felix, and they find themselves in front of these synagogues and in prison. And some of the believers in the early Christian movement found themselves in prison because of what they believed, and they were offered a choice. You can recant your faith in Jesus Christ, or you can be ruined. The Romans said, you you can't say Jesus is Lord because Caesar is Lord. And to say Jesus is Lord is an act of sedition, and you can lose your job, and you can lose your house, and you can lose your life. What's it going to be? It got so bad the early church actually had to deal with what do we do with people who've renounced Christ because they were afraid and have come back to the church. Do we let them come back? Can they be restored? Jesus says in theory you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars and it's going to get personal. You can lose your livelihood. You can lose your life. You can lose your family. Because of my name. But, he says, this will give you an opportunity to testify. The Greek word is martyr, by the way. This will give you an opportunity to testify. And he says something just strange. So make up your minds not to prepare in advance. Make up your minds not to prepare in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. It's as if Jesus were saying at that moment of trial, at that moment where you need somebody to speak on your behalf, don't close me out. Don't be so well prepared that you close the door on the Holy Spirit. Don't be so well prepared that you're not willing to listen to what I have to say. Your story, your story of how you've dealt with hard times, your story of how you've gotten through financial difficulty, your story of how your faith has sustained you while you were walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or how your faith sustained you to allow you to make another step, your story is a life-changing story for your life, but it's also a life-changing story for people who might hear you tell your story. We're back to telling our stories. Michael's not going to be here Sunday. It's Christ the King Sunday, and Michael's going to Gibsland and Oak Grove to preach to my people. 
Yes. Gibsland recently was demoted. We used to be a town, and I was the town crier. We've been demoted to a village. And guess who the village idiot now is? But he's going to go preach. And those three small churches, Jonesboro, Gibsland, and Oak Grove, they love it when you come out and preach. They love to hear your faith stories. They know that, that you're telling them, they know you're telling them the truth because it's coming from your heart. They know you've struggled with, with the words. And it's that personal faith witness. It's the, it's sharing a testimony from somebody that, that's not ordained or trained, but somebody is sharing their real faith. That's how John Wesley's faith grew and matured. He listened to the Moravians share their faith stories. They were not particularly trained theologians. They were just people trying to follow God. And John Wesley, who was a graduate of Oxford University, was having a difficult time following God. But he listened to the Moravians talk about how they followed God. And suddenly the seeds were planted that, that grew into the great faith of the man John Wesley. Jesus said, there's a theory coming. The theory is wars, rumors, wars, earthquakes, pestilence, plagues. That's theoretical, but it gets personal. You're going to be arrested. And when you get arrested, you're going to testify. Don't push me out of the way when you're testifying. Listen to my voice speaking to you. I'm going to give you some words. I'm going to give you words. So it's not you speaking, it's me speaking through you. Because, because, not only are you going to be arrested, you're going to be betrayed by friends and family, relatives. They'll even put you to death. The people that should be sustaining you, the people that should be living you through and loving you through this hard time, the people that ought to create community around you are going to turn their backs on you. Have you lost any friends because of your faith in Christ? Have people turned their backs on you because you lived with integrity, because your word was your bond, because people knew that you were a Christian? Jesus said, don't be surprised when this happens. Don't be surprised when friends are no longer. These words come from a man who died on a cross on Good Friday, and he died with only two of his followers there, his mother and the apostle John. Everybody else had turned their backs on Jesus. They had walked away. They had betrayed him. They'd left him alone. He knows the pangs and the hurts of betrayal. He knows having someone who claims they love you turn their back on you. He knows, and he was warning his people that even the most intimate of relationships, the ones that you ought to be able to put your trust in the most, will betray you. 
Jesus is warning us about that handbasket and how to survive it and how to thrive in it. Nobody knows where the idiom handbasket to hell came from. And it's sort of fun to read all the articles of people speculating. It's not biblical. It used to be a handcart to hell. But when you think about a handbasket, that's personal. That's yours. Handbasket's not something you share with anybody. It's kind of small. It's not a big thing. So your reaction to and your response to these wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, portents in heaven, of being um, betrayed, of being imprisoned, that's yours. That's how you respond. That's your faith. That's your personal decision. And Jesus in another place talks about this in the 10th chapter of Matthew's gospel. Jesus said, look, guys and gals, I'm sending you out as sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents, be wise as serpents, and innocent as doves. Beware of them, they will hand you over to councils and flog you in synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. And when they hand you over, don't worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. There it is again. For what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not, for you, it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child and children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then Jesus goes on and says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs on your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. And Jesus says in finishing off this section of Luke 21, you'll be hated by all for my name, but not a hair on your head will perish, but by your endurance, you will gain your soul by your endurance, by your perseverance, by your hanging in there, by your tenacity by your not letting this bother you, by keeping your eyes on Jesus, you gain your soul. So what's he telling us? Don't worry about whether the earth's world's going to end tonight or next year or a thousand years from now. Instead, we ought to be paying attention to our own spiritual lives, to our own relationship to Jesus Christ. We ought to be paying attention to our relationships with our neighbors and sharing Christ with them. Philip Yancey tells of a trip he took to Pennsylvania. He was in Amish country, and he had been invited to dinner one night with an Amish family. And during the meal, he heard about the unusual procedure the Amish follow to pick their pastor for a year. 
In Amish churches, they, like Methodists, only serve one year at a time. And few Amish acquire an education beyond the eighth grade, and almost none of them are theologically trained. But in the Amish church, every man in the church who has shown pastoral potential is voted on by the church. And if a man in the church receives a minimum of three votes on the appointed day, the men who've received three votes go sit at a table in front of the congregation. And they are all handed a random hymn book. And in that random hymn book, if you have a card in it, the man who has the card is the pastor of the church for the next year. Guys, how would you like to do that? We can, we can try that if you want. I see some of you going, ain't no way. We can try that. And Philip Yancey said, well, what if the person that you've selected for the pastor doesn't feel qualified? And the Amish friend looked puzzled back at Yancey and said, if he did feel qualified, we wouldn't want him. These young men weren't expecting a call, nor did they attempt to live in such a way as to foster a call. They lived authentically. They lived as disciples of Christ, not worrying about calls and not fretting over the second coming. Jesus isn't looking for the qualified. He's looking for the available. He isn't looking for the fearful. He's looking for the fearless. He isn't looking for prognosticators or procrastinators. He's looking for steady practitioners of the faith. He isn't looking for warriors. He's looking for warriors. And some will argue that we need to live each day as though it were our last day. But a true disciple of Jesus Christ lives every day just like they live every other day. Faithfully, prayerfully, carefully, joyfully, and peacefully. If we do this, we'll be ready for the contents of that handbasket. And we'll be ready when Jesus comes. Would you stand and pray with me? So much seems to be going on, Lord. Stuff we describe as terrible and horrible. And we point to it and tell others that our world just seems destined to depart in this handbasket. Forgive us when we don't see You, when we don't heed what Your Word has told us about these times. We pray, O God, that through our endurance and through our perseverance, through our tenacity in following You, that we will be saved. 
Help us look beyond this time and see our hope with you and life everlasting. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.